a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class inpatient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. So step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome back to The Athletic, and welcome back into About Them Cowboys. Kent Garrison here, your producer as always here at The Athletic NFL, keeping things in line. And we know things are out of line out in the world right now. We really appreciate you spending some time with us to maybe get away from it all, maybe have a little bit of lighthearted Cowboys talk in your life. And I'm just glad to be able to have uh, two great guys here to spend this time with. Uh, John Mashota, Father John, and Kevin K.T. Turner. So... That's the intro for this episode. Um, I'll do better next time, I promise. But just wanted to kind of get get things started here and open up the floor to you guys. I know it's been crazy. I know both of you guys live in Dallas and things have been really crazy out there. So I'm glad you guys are safe and are able to join me uh, for another About Them Cowboys podcast. KT. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. And, and you know, look, we'll, we'll be transparent here. Kent, you know, right now there's what protests going on pretty much. On a block or two away from yeah, me, there's right? a, happening right now. <laughs> apologies for the chopper noises that might bleed through into this, but yeah, it's as we speak right here. There's there's protests going on right outside uh, right outside the window. So yeah, it's crazy times. I've had a uh, few times, and again, we're not going to get uh, really deep into this in this episode. Um, I've had a few times though. I'm thinking of, in my sports radio career. Where I had some, you know, the Kaepernick thing was obviously a, uh, a topic that, you know, and I, I remember, I don't know if I, I regret it. I, I really don't know if I regret it. But I, I think now, <laughs> more than ever, it's a, a, it's not a sudden realization. It's just like, hey, the right thing is to probably speak up if you have a platform. I'm not going to do that here on About Them Cowboys. I'll do that <laughs> on uh, the radio show that I work on now uh, on 97.1 The Eagle, The Ben and Skin Show. I'll, you know, we're going to talk about that, all that stuff that's going on in the world, you know, during the week. But I did just want to share, like, you know, that was a decision. I, I It was good to see people here at The Athletic on our team, the Saad Yusufs of the world, you know, uh, tweeting and being open about how they feel about things. And I think there's a lot of people, and I heard this on the ticket, and I heard this on the fan, the radio stations, and I've seen guys here at The Athletic. You know, it's your choice. You don't have to pop in and say anything. It's fine. But I've seen some guys kind of swerve in the direction of, you know what, we are going to openly talk about some of these world issues, uh, quite frankly, American issues, you know, that are happening right now. And I thought it was kind of cool that people are doing that because I know it's a thing that I've wrestled with for years, uh, especially when this was going on two, three, four years ago when the NFL kind of got politicized. 
And the Cowboys were at the heart of that. And I don't, John, you had to cover some of that stuff. Yeah, you know? me too, man. I was working and, for the yeah. team at the, at the time. And let me tell you, you know, the entire time I worked for, you know, in the organization with the Cowboys doing media, there was never a time where they were like, Hey, be careful what you guys tweet or how you guys are talking. But during that, it was the only, probably the only time that they, we had to actually kind of think about what we were putting out there. Um, because it was such a sensitive topic, and and uh, John, I don't know if you were at the game in Arizona when they did the the kneel, but I was walking right by Jerry and and like standing right in front of him as the kneel happened in Arizona. Everybody was booing and everything, and it was just an insane time to be working in the NFL when when the uh, the flag protest was a thing, and you know, it's I hope. And pray that uh, this doesn't bleed over any more than it has, and get any worse than it has. But I think the NFL is has can could be a guiding light for that kind of stuff. And um, Colin Kaepernick, I think, realized that, and you know that that you can do this peacefully and, and, and on a platform as big as the NFL and something as small and simple as that. So, man, it was it was a crazy time, John. I know you remember covering covering oh, that yeah. and Jerry. Um, Telling yeah, the players he he if they kneeled they were off the team basically and yeah yeah no I, I just uh, I remember how tense everything was before that game and then seeing uh, Stephen Jones on an elevator ride up uh, from field level um, before the kickoff and yeah just there was a very uneasy feeling of you know it just you could just tell like you didn't know like it's just kind of like times like right now where it's just like you know. You, you know, there's the frustration, but you, you know, you want to say something, but you don't really know what to say. You don't want to, you know, sound stupid because you really don't know what to say. You know, wrong things are going on and, uh, you know, uh, black people and minorities are, are being treated unfairly. And, um, yeah, it's just, I, I, I would say this, I, I don't see when things like this continue to happen, I don't see how, uh, the protests and NFL games and that are, are going to stop. Like, I would think that, um, you know, we're going to see whenever they return to play, I think we're going to see more of that stuff come back just because, uh, um, the things mm -hmm. that these players were kneeling for and, and, and doing silent protests for during the national anthem, um, are still happening. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that, um, it has an impact once they return to play, whenever that is, because I mean, you just see on Twitter, you know, there's a lot of people that are <laughs> way smarter than me, um, that are making some great points out there. I've been trying to uh, retweet as much as I can, um, from, you know, both, both races, you know, uh, whites, blacks, um, you know, players, and then also people outside of sports that, um, you know, have, you know, there've just been a lot of, you know, thoughtful things and, uh, just trying to take it all in because there's a lot of people really expressing themselves right now to, in a, in a way that, um, I don't know, you just really don't see it very often. Yeah. And I like that you use the word thoughtful. I mean, I think personally to kind of bring it back to the athletic, I think the athletic is, one of the most thoughtful, you know, websites when it comes to sports. It is. It is the most thoughtful. You know, the, the, the stuff that you've seen during the pandemic, just the content that you guys continue to crank out. And I'm John, I'm talking about our local staff here in DFW as well as some of the national writers. It's, uh, you know, been incredible, but it's always, you know, it's always very thought provoking as well and, and educational. And, you know, some of this is kind of a, a, systemic like educational issue as well where people do need to go see what they can learn and educate themselves and, and listen to other people. I think that's more than anything 
just kind of the message I want to get across. I, and again, we're not going to do this the whole episode. We're going to go talk Cowboys and, and uh, this survey was awesome. But I, I just think, you know, we have got to find a way to stop just getting in our own head. We need to listen and try to understand what the people who have been oppressed go through because it's it's not the same as what some of us, some other people go through. Yeah. I mean, growing up in, in I mean, I grew up in Warren, which is a suburb of Detroit. And just growing up, I heard so many times about these 1967 riots that they had in Detroit. And uh, it, they, there's a, there's a, I don't know, it's, I guess it's like a historic landmarker. Uh, one of my friends posted it on Instagram the other day. I thought it was really interesting. And it basically, it's, it, I believe it's in Detroit. And it just it basically breaks down, you know, the 67 riots and why they happen. And you're just reading this thing and you're just like, yeah, this is the same stuff that's going on right now. This is why, you know, it's, it, it was uh, people that, that feel like they're not being treated and people that are not being treated fairly. And, um, you know, it, just injustice going on towards uh, minorities and, and particularly black people. And uh, it's like, man, I just think about that. And I would, you know, like my grandparents would tell me about it, like 67 riots, you know, and they talk about like how like, you know, the National Guard came in and all that stuff. And you just, you're just, you know, you take some of that stuff in as a kid and you're just like, kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, grandma and grandpa, that stuff doesn't happen anymore, you know? And so to sit here, you know, 50, more than 50 years later, and it's still going on. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy to think about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, hope everyone's safe. Uh, and whenever you get to listen to this podcast, obviously we're recording this on Sunday night, uh, you know, May 31st, but you know, as you hear this, uh, hopefully everyone's, a uh, uh, being safe, taking care of each other, and and kind of expressing you know some of those you know sentiments uh, towards other people. We need we need to love each other, man. Uh, we need to love each other. And I don't think it's ever been more more obvious than ever that you know division is bad, and and you know promoting division is really bad. <laughs> and if we can just kind of stick together, you know, maybe maybe some good things can happen. But before we talk about this survey, and, and I really enjoyed this, your John, you had the the Cowboys cover a uh, Cowboys survey results with a lot of good questions and a lot of good answers. Uh, we do want to talk about something that's kind of been a topic over the last week uh, for the NFL, and that's just kind of well, not the last week, really the last month or so, talking about okay, so what if we do play this year, and it looks like we're we're kind of on track for that. That you know the broadcasts are going to happen, and and. And again, we'll see, but it looks like we're probably trending towards games with empty stadiums in terms of not having fans. Um, I thought we could kick around the idea of you know some of the ideas uh, of ways to make the broadcast better. Actually, Kent Ken had the idea to you know what are some ways that we can make the broadcast better. I'll, I'll start with you, Ken. Do you, do you have some ideas off the top of your head that you'd like to see uh, implemented? Yeah, uh, the main thing that came to my mind would be maybe a lot more audio from the sideline integrating that from the players, maybe some mic'd up players. Um, maybe there's just mics throughout the sideline, like just, uh, I guess omnidirectional mics that can pick up random conversations and things. So you get more of those candid conversations instead of players that know they're mic'd up, just trying to ham it up for the mic'd up segment. But I think you, I, I've always liked hard knocks and I've always liked, knowing I think the XFL did a good job of doing some of that sideline audio, but I think they could really integrate some of these personalities of these players and teams into the audio and into the broadcast really good. 
and, and, and instead of, I don't want to hear a crowd. Um, I want to hear the sounds of the game, really, you know, the uncomfortable attention on a bench when they're down 20 points and the, their season's on the line. You know, I, I want those kinds of things to be worked in. So that's what, probably what still got to me most is like, I, I want more audio from the sidelines and from the coaching staffs and huddles and things like that. Well, if there's crowds or not, I think fans would all agree with you that that's what they want. Uh, the one yep. thing I'll say about that one, though, is um, just from talking to players, you know, in the locker room, uh, mostly off the record, Cowboys players, um, I'm trying to think how I, how I should put this. It wasn't really received very well amongst the players when that audio got out of Sam Darnold saying, I'm, uh, I'm seeing ghosts out there. And mm-hmm. I only cover the Cowboys, so I can't speak for players on other teams, but I just got a good feel that players weren't very happy that, you know, the NFL allowed that audio to get out where it's like, cause let's be honest, when that stuff is being recorded and the mics are on, there's always going to be a delay. You know, there's a delay in, in everything on TV. That's why, you know, you'll miss out on some of the swearing and things like that, that are going on. I, I kind of noticed that in the, uh, the, the golf match that they had between, uh, you know, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson with, with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, there were just segments where, you know, like you thought they were saying something funny and then there was just air. Well, it's cause they were bleeping out. Someone was swearing obviously. So they can do that, but they just have to be very careful about what they put out there. Cause you know, fans and obviously us as reporters and, and media members, we love to hear all that behind the scenes. We love hearing Sam Donald saying he, he's hearing ghosts, but uh, you know, there's kind of a, you know, a respect amongst players. Hey, there's certain things that like, let's not, not everything needs to get out there like that, you know? And so uh, I'm, I'm all for that as well. I just, I don't know how much they're going to, they're going to allow that to happen. You know, I mean, the XFL shows it, you know, going in the locker room and stuff like that. And they showed more in-game sideline interview type stuff right after plays happen. And I don't know if the NFL will quite get to that level. Um, but, but uh, I wanted to ask you this KT real quick. Uh, what about, uh, what, what about governor Abbott saying that they were going to have uh, starting this month that they're going to have, uh, allow stadiums to have up up to twenty five percent of uh, their capacity. Uh, you know, obviously they can open up AT and T Stadium for it to be an outdoor stadium. And while yeah, that's probably ninety thousand people on a normal Sunday. There have been games where they had the standing room only and maxed out at over a hundred thousand. So are they trying to put twenty five thousand into AT and T Stadium? Is that is that something you you could potentially see happening this season? I actually could see it happening, assuming, you know, things continue to trend the way they are trending with, you know, the virus. But I guess <laughs> this is one thing, and it kind of goes back to what we we're talking about the first, with all these, you know, protests and that some of these peaceful protests have turned into riots, you were getting a lot of people in close quarters. So I would not be surprised to see another, you know, uptick in the virus and things like that. But, you know, when it comes down to it, don't you think not only Jerry Jones, but all owners are going to try to get as much of their nut as they can, especially when it comes to parking, all, all of it, you know, they, they're going to try to recoup as much of it as possible, right? Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'll say about AT&T Stadium, though, is that you're going to, even if you, let's say, let's say they found a way that they get let's say 25%, we're going to, we'll just say 20,000 fans into in for a Cowboys game. And so, um, you know, that could be pretty spread out, whatever, um, upper bowl, lower bowl, concourses, suites, whatever. So I don't know exactly the number of how many season ticket holders they have, but it's way more than 20,000. So then how do you pick out who gets to go to what games? And then 
okay, if you have a really high dollar, which everything in, in the lower mid, I mean, and pretty much everything there or is relative, relatively speaking is expensive, but let's say you have a really high dollar lower bowl seat. Well, you're not going to get your normal seat. So some of those lower bowl people are going to have to be sitting in the upper bowl and uh, are they going to have to pay the same price for that? So, I mean, they run into a lot of other things there, not just the fact of the social distancing and then, you know, you know, obviously restrooms and concessions and, and things like that. Like, um, it's not going to be easy to figure it out, but I know that because the money's there, the owners will want to try and figure something out for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, a couple of things too. NFL is really getting lucky during all this because they at least had time on their side. And, you know, it's really nothing compared to what MLB, NBA, and NHL has had to deal with, with their seasons being immediately compromised. NFL can wait and see. And the NFL has the ability in August to go, all right, well, for the September games, we'll go no fans. And then, uh, you know, if we keep trending in the right way, then in October, we can go to 25% or whatever they want to do. Like, they've got an opportunity to do that. Another thing that's interesting to me is that Joe Buck was on a podcast with um, Andy Cohen, who's, I think, on a show on the Bravo Network, I believe. Um, and Joe Buck basically said without saying – uh, and he, he said it in a way that was almost like, I'm not allowed to say this yet, but Fox is going to plan. They are going to pump noise in. They're going to pump in artificial noise. And I think that's interesting if that will be an NFL rule or if that will be a network rule. Because if I'm CBS, I am pivoting. If Fox does that, I will go no noise at all and find other ways to, you know, make the broadcast better. I, I think a couple things that I would do. And again, you would have. Not every team is going to be receptive of this, and I think you made a great point about the uh, Sam Darnold thing, John. But it would be excellent to get a few more interviews, almost like you see on the on the you know Blue Star, you know Cowboys preseason games, Kent that you used to work on. Yeah. Um, you know, like in game interviews, pretty great, pretty captivating. But let's let's mix it up. Let's get an in game interview with a referee uh, right before a play. What'd you see on that flag? Let's get an in-game interview. Maybe it doesn't even have to be an interview. Just an in-game, you know, uh, click to a to a head coach, uh, not a head coach. Maybe a head coach. Maybe in-game like NBA players do. You get the halftime quick thing. They're not going to give you much. But what if an offensive coordinator tells you something? What he saw on that play? And I know teams don't won't want to give up their strategies, but man, I'm telling you what, you would talk about really up in the juice on the broadcast. You know, if you're telling me that an offensive coordinator is going to tell me what he saw in a third and sixth conversion uh, while his team's on defense, not that they have time for that, but you could say, hey, it, it could be a 15-second minimum. We just got to have 15 seconds and it's a part of the deal. I think that would be so great. And I think it would be so great to hear a referee say, you know, what he saw on a pass interference call. You know, I'll uh, I think it would be great. Even if you got it recorded during a commercial and you could play it back. You know, that would be so, so great. I was watching one of those uh, Dallas Renegades XFL games this year, and it was like halftime, and they took the camera right in the locker room, and Hal Mummy, the uh, offensive coordinator <laughs> for the Renegades, is sitting there, got a, a group of guys huddled up around a whiteboard, and he's just sitting there with a marker drawn out, like adjustments, like halftime adjustments. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, can you just imagine if they did this in like the NFL? And then the other thing is like, what if they go in there and it's just like, there's some teams are just like, yeah, we don't make any adjustments. I mean, I know a lot of people will say that that was the Cowboys over the last decade, but um, it would just be interesting to see like how teams are from, from team to team. But 
uh, I don't know, man. Like, I just find it hard to believe that the NFL would do that because they don't, they haven't needed that. You know, they're like top dog, like haven't, you know, the XFL does that because they want everything they possibly can get in terms of interest in the game. So let's try and do anything we can think of within reason outside the box to try and bring more access. So I can see the NFL adapting to that a little bit. I mean, after the original XFL, there was certainly TV coverage, the, the sky camera. There were other aspects of it that were brought into the NFL game. And so maybe there will be more of that. Because um, frankly, to be honest with you, even if I don't get the full breakdown of a play at halftime or on the sideline or something like that, even just a coach telling 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 the camera person to just get the F out of the way or that slap you know slaps the mic away or something like that. I'm in it for that too, you know, just the the intensity of, of the middle of a game, just something like that happening. But uh yeah, it's a possibility. And I know fan, I can't think of many fans that, that wouldn't absolutely enjoy that. And that's with fans in the stands or without. Like just anything that's yeah. gonna give you more access behind the scenes, fans are gonna be all about. If there's no fans, Fox is going to pump in, you know, artificial sound, and they're also going to digitally, you know, put in uh, an audience. I mean, a crowd. I mean, they will, they will basically green screen a crowd onto the field. <laughs> Not green screen, but they will, they will. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, green they screen. Pr- I think. Isn't that really key? That's what you're looking they for. Will, yeah. Yeah, and they will, you know, project a a, a crowd. And I heard, I, I disagreed with it personally. I heard uh, Junior Miller of, of the Ticket, the Ticket's a great legendary morning show, talking about how he hated that idea because he goes, I don't want to feel like I'm being tricked when I'm watching an NFL game. And I guess I my thought on that is, well, you're the one tricking yourself if that's happening. They're, they're, just, they're not trying to trick you. They're just putting that out there. They're not trying to say, hey, here's a crowd. They're just doing that so it looks as normal as possible because why would you want to do anything different when you were the highest rated thing in the world? Did you, you see know, the thing that they're – I think they're doing it in Europe for soccer where fans can pay to have a cardboard cutout of them put in the stands? <laughs> that's Doesn't that sound awesome. like the most Jerry thing ever? It's like, yeah, just send me your picture well, and I'll put hey, you in there. I love it. You mentioned Jerry, so I have to I have to share this. So when I went back a couple of weeks ago, I was watching uh, all the old Super Bowl wins. Um, I thought it was funny how like in, the, in those 90 Super Bowls, I was I was already like, oh, there's gonna be all these videos of, you know, them showing Jerry up in the booth or Jerry in the silent. And there wasn't much of that at all. And I was kind of like, wow, they show Jerry way more now than they do then. And so all I was thinking when you were talking about this is like, Jerry's still gonna be at the games and Jerry's still gonna sit in the booth Just and they're still Jerry. gonna have a camera on him. I mean, when you're at the game. Next time, next time you guys are at the sta- stadium, and this for anybody that's listening, next time you're at a Cowboys game, whenever that might be, at AT&T Stadium, there's literally a light right above, like, Jerry and Steven in that, in that little booth. Like, y- you can see right where they're at. If you want to look for it, you can find them. It's, like, right in the middle of the field. Right so it's opposite line, the press. Yeah. yeah, right at the 50-yard line. And, and I've, just over the last year or so, I've pointed out to other reporters, I'm like, isn't it kind of funny how, like, if you really just want to look for it, like, you can see exactly, like, there's no hiding, you know, where Jerry's at. And he knows he's going to be put on TV. He knows that they're going to put him on, and, and he doesn't mind. He loves that. And so, even with no fans in the stands, he's still going to be at the game. They're still going to have cameras on him, and they're still going to get his reaction. And whatever you think about Jerry Jones, whether you like him or not, like, whatever his reaction is, always is a big deal on social media. So, I think even without fans in the stands, you will have that little aspect, whether you like that or not. If I I was Jerry Jones, though, and speaking of him, I would fill like the entire lore bowl just with ads and just sell the crap out of all that blank space. (laughs) 
there's there's no doubt about it. You know, another thing you could do is you could make that lower bowl though. If you're, if you're the TV network, you can make that lower bowl be graphics, and they've been looking for ways to implement like fantasy stats. You know, put some fantasy football stats on there. Fine. I don't think it's going to be too distracting. You already have so many numbers and so many things going on the screen. You know, I don't think that would be crazy to have like a another. Just like here's a quick flash of a of a of a graphic with stats on it, or uh, well, latest betting Prescott. odds. Yeah, betting odds would be great. <laughs> I I love that, and I think that's coming. You know, sooner than later, I think that's coming. But you know, I mean, you you see it on on the bottom, but you could do it much bigger with the lower bowl. A uh, Dak Prescott is fourteen of nineteen. You know, for two hundred and fifty yards or whatever. Like that's that's what you could kind of flash up there a little bigger and kind of keep things. I mean, people are going to watch it and love it either way, and they're probably going to watch it, respect it more than ever, and love it more than ever probably after this because the threat's real about it not happening. Um, so I think that's a good good discussion. And uh, you guys have any more thoughts on that, or get to the get to the survey? I'm good. I, I think uh, I think we'll be probably pleasantly surprised with some of the innovations that they come up with. I think and. Are you talking about just the Cowboys or all, no, all teams? No, like Fox and CBS yeah. and NBC. I think they're they're going to take yeah. advantage of this moment to do just like they did with the draft. It was so so much different, but also so cool to see kind of the inside of how this uh, machine works. So I think they'll integrate some of that stuff into the uh, into the broadcast. I, I think it'd be great. I'd love to see you know these these networks get creative and you know kind of use it as an experimental year. I mean, there's what do you got to lose? The ratings are going to be great for you, no matter what. So you don't really have anything to lose besides becoming a meme forever if you whiff. Like the time the hockey did the uh, red puck, you know, the laser on the puck back in the back in the late nineties. Do you guys remember that? I do. NHL on Fox. Yeah, they put that. I actually kind of like that as a kid. I kind of did too. And and like again, I was never a big hockey fan, but growing up in the Metro Detroit area, like everyone loves the Red Wings. There, I guess yeah. I was the only one that didn't. And fans there hated it they just thought it was the worst thing how dare you do this i was like oh i kind of like okay i no, yeah you're right this is terrible it's awful why would they do this i was like this is pretty cool actually i like the laser the laser thing on the puck was cool i forgot about that you know hockey fans need to just kind of realize hey you're uh like there are a lot of people who are trying to learn about your sport so and i get it I understand that, but like, hey, if it was, uh, if it was easier for some people to see and follow the sport, then uh, let it be. Some with golf, hey man, let them play some music on the holes, you know. Have a live band at one of the holes. Let them wear shorts, you know. Hey, <laughs> show people. True. We don't have to stick to these traditions forever. Uh, that's somewhat topical, topical, right? Um, so this survey was pretty awesome that you put out, John. It's a two-parter. And basically on The Athletic last week, a 35-question survey, and you got a lot of responses, over over 2,000 responses uh, on a lot of these questions. So we'll just start with this one. How long before the Cowboys win another Super Bowl? When I took this survey, I answered never again in my lifetime. <laughs> you serious? I'm serious <laughs> because here's the deal. I'm 32. There are 32 teams in the league. I don't think I make it to 64. So you're telling me in one of those 32 years, uh, <laughs> they're gonna 
they're gonna. I mean, I'm probably gonna die in my late fifties. So that's okay, why well, I you really think you really think that the lion, the lions, Bengals, and Browns are gonna. I mean, you can whittle some of these teams off the list, and you can start. You don't have to necessarily go all the way to thirty two. There's some that okay. just aren't gonna get there. Okay, you've talked me into it. I should have said more than ten years. <laughs> uh, what did what did you what did you vote for on this one? I thought it would be six to ten. I, I did uh, five. I mean, it makes sense because. Fans are optimistic, and it's not like, you know, even though they have a new head coach, it's not like it's a complete rebuild or anything like that. And even with Dak's Pre- Dak Prescott's contract being the big talking point, he's still under – he's going to be franchise tag. He's going to play this season. Um, so with all of that put in, you just look at the team, and you're just kind of like – I mean, they seem like they are in pretty good shape. they got a lot of veterans. they got they got a good mixture of young and old. They have a very veteran coaching staff, so, you know – I'm sure it's a lot of fans hoping that maybe one of these years they catch lightning in a bottle. Um, that's part of it. And I think a lot of fans also too, because um, the number one was within five years, got 72% of the vote. Um, yeah. I think that also that is because so many fans put so much blame from the last 10 years of not getting past the second round squarely on Jason Garrett and the coaching staff, whether that's fair or not. And so they feel like with a new head coach and a head coach that has won a Super Bowl, that that's going to be the missing piece. And so we'll see. Uh, I was I was a little surprised that that in the next five years was so so high. Maybe I shouldn't be. I mean, it was a survey of Cowboys fans. Well, optimism is is a good thing right now. And I think right now, too, people are kind of having sports withdrawals. So you might get a little more uh, um, or maybe a little optimism when you start thinking about just get excited for sports, you know, or the possibility of sports. Next question, and we've already done this, so I can't do it. Do you still have the results? I think I might have rolled them down or I sent them to you. Um, how long? Uh, I'm sorry, the next question was how many games did the Cowboys win this season? I can't remember what they, what the bet, I think I said 12. I had 10 and 6. I had 10 and Then I had 11 and 5, right? I believe that's correct. I, Actually, I, I, have, I have the numbers, six, have the numbers right games. here. Hold on. I actually wrote this down, guys. I do write stuff down from time to time. Hold on. I got this old little binder here that I wanted to make sure because when, I, when, when the possibility of me eating that, uh, that whatever hot sauce was scared me to the point where I was like, let me let me keep tabs of this so I can monitor it during the season. Yeah, and now I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to bleach thing. my hair, but I'm. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to actively avoid watching the game, so I don't know if I have to bleach. My I haven't hair even watched Hot One since because I'm so nervous about that thing. Oh my gosh. And I and I'm one that like I almost watch every single. One. I, I mean, there's not many that I haven't seen. I like I love this show. You can't I think watch it's such it a, now because you're yeah. so scared. You might have to do the the last dab. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I love this show because it's such a it, it's it's a, just a genius idea of a way to interview people because uh-huh. they're not thinking about the questions as much because their mouth is burning and they're thinking about like how are they going to get this to stop like their mouth from being so hot. Right. And so they don't think as much about like trying to be you know, guarded with their answer and they get pretty good responses. And I honestly don't have that thing here. And this pisses that, me off. That was yeah. the uh, May 11th episode for six. those who... I don't know about you guys, but... Yeah. Hold on, I got I, it. Here I, we go. All right. I was at 10 and 6. KT was at 11 and 5. Oh. Saad was at 10 and 6. And Kent was at 10 and 6. Well, the yeah, you, you have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, 11 and 5, KT. You came in strong here. Well, 10 or 11 was the number one answer. Right. 73% said that. Only, um, only let's see, uh, 10% said 12 or more. 
Um, and then you had, you know, all the other ones, eight and nine, somewhere between eight to 12 is what most people said, but 73% thinks they'll win 10 or 11. So they're on kind of, they kind of looking at the same, uh, same place we are, you know, 10 yeah. or 11. That makes the most sense. Um, what would you grade? Uh, what would you give the Cowboys for their off season in terms of grades? A, B, C, D, E, F. Uh, this is everything in off season, new head coach, free agency draft. And 56% said A. They would give the team an A. I, I would agree, right? I thought they nailed the draft. Uh, I was kind of excited with what they did in free agency with, you know, Joe McCoy and Don Terry Poe to kind of get those in and help out with the defensive line. And also bringing in a safety in HaHa Clinton Dix. I mean, I don't love HaHa Clinton Dix as a player. I think he'll, he's a very frustrating player sometimes. But for them to go get a safety, you know, in free agency, knowing they were going to lose. Jeff Heath, um, I, I I really liked what they did in free agency. So I'm all aboard, man. I, I thought I thought their offseason was a was an A plus plus. When when the season ended, or even you know, we'll say uh, I can't remember the exact time it was. We'll say halftime of the Week 17 game where you realized you know what the Eagles were going to win, and there was no chance the Cowboys getting in the playoffs. I think at that point. As long as you told fans that Jason Garrett was not going to be back for the 2020 season, minimum grade for the offseason would have been a C. I don't think anybody would have been, you know, so that already got accomplished for most fans. So I figured that it was going to be mostly A's and B's like it was. Um, And then really the draft, just, I mean, they've drafted well for the last, you know, really since Will McClay took over in 2014, but for the most part, and you have this draft that it's like, man, this might this has a chance to be the best one out of all of them. This could be even better than like 2014 sure. when they got to Marcus Lawrence and Zach Martin. So because of that, I thought that that was enough to, to put it up to, I was at a, at a B plus by there, maybe a minus. Um, but I, but I, Hey, I'm not, I'm not naive to the fact that hey, you lose Travis Frederick, you lose Byron Jones, you lose Robert Quinn. And you really didn't really re- replace Robert Quinn at all. So, um, you know, I mean, it's not like they just built on, you know, they lost some some pieces too. But I, I really think the draft is what put that over the top to where I was like, well, everyone's going to give this at least an A or B. Um, who is the team's most valuable player? Dak Prescott gets the win, 62% according to the survey here on The Athletic. Uh, that's the answer for me, of course. I mean, I think that's easy to say with the quarterback. Second place was Zeke, 17%. I think I was a little surprised because you've seen such a movement in the football community of people, you know, devaluing the running back a little bit. Um, and then, uh, you know, Zach Martin was third at 8%. I, I kind of thought – I was kind of surprised to see an offensive lineman seen as the team's most valuable player uh, in the top three there. I thought DeMarcus Lawrence might be the other guy. So, And then those guys – you know, other guys getting votes, Amari Cooper, Tyron Smith, Tank, Leighton Van Der Esch, and Jalen Smith. Uh, what would you think about that? the turnout on that question? Yeah, that didn't really, that one didn't surprise me. And I guess here, I'll ask you this because I've just been, it just dawned on me when you were given your response. Um, I was wondering like how many teams that have a top, I'll even go top 15. I was going to say top 10, top 15 quarterback. Like, I wonder if there are any teams that their quarterback isn't their most valuable player. Like, I feel like every team that has like one of those top 10, top 15 quarterbacks, their quarterback is probably their most valuable player. Like, I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting if, of somebody. Uh, you're trying to think of a top 15 qu- quarterback that is not the most valuable player on the team? On their team, yeah. Maybe I guess like if you, Aaron Donald and the Rams. I was just going to say, if you would, if you had Jared Goff. Miller, but I don't have Jared. I don't have what's-his-name in that ca- category. Yeah. Drew Locke. Yeah. Maybe maybe two years ago, J.J. Watt. Khalil Mack. Deshaun Watson took huge strides. Right. 
Um, but even with like Khalil Mack, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think I sure. think Derek Carr is is one of the upper upper ten and fifteen quarterback. Well, I wouldn't say ten, but top fifteen, top sixteen quarterbacks in the league. But I see some that don't feel, view him that way. So I could see on that team it being Khalil you mean, Mack. Uh, yeah. Bears. I'm talking Bears. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I yeah. was thinking of I was thinking of being with the Ravens. <laughs> yeah. On the Bears, yeah, there's no question. But there's no way anybody thinks of them as having a, a top upper echelon quarterback. That's a good. Unless you think, that's a good. I would like to you know maybe unless do you more think research there. Is. Is, is there a top fifteen quarterback who is not the most valuable player on their team? That is a good hypothetical. I I don't think it. I don't think so. I don't think it's. I am still like, when's the last time the Cowboys quarterback wasn't their most valuable player? I mean, some people would say 2016 Zeke was their most valuable player, but Dak still uh, won rookie of the year. Yeah, I, I would not say that. <laughs> but I'm just saying just because he had the the yeah. huge year and they whatever. But sure. I mean, I still think it was Dak, you know, and then the years prior to that, I've you know, it was Romo. Is is Wentz the most valuable Eagle? Yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, I'm trying to go through every quarterback almost, and I'm, I'm struggling to. <laughs> I should have texted you I, this before. I don't think I consider Sam Darnold the top 15 quarterback, but he's probably the no. Most the best, the best one I think, the best one I think we're going to get is the Aaron Donald versus Jared Goff. Yeah, because man, Aaron Donald is so damn good and so valuable that I don't know. God, that's a fun. That's a fun discussion. I guess so. The Colts now it's Philip Rivers, um, which is so yeah, strange still, to think of. Still him. <laughs> the most valuable player on that <laughs> team is definitely Philip Rivers. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, their best player, pound for pound, is Quentin Nelson, but I don't think anybody would sit there and say that he's their most valuable player. Yeah, not at all. I mean, Matt Ryan, yeah, it's, it's him. Okay, yeah, that, that's fun to think about, though. It's kind of looking at every team. That's kind of fun to think about. Um, who will start at left guard this season? What Before I give the answer, who do you think it is, John? I've, I continue to think that it'll be Connor Williams. Um, so, I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I think it's going to be a straight up comp- competition between Connor Williams and Connor McGovern, and it'll be one of those two. But I think having two years of experience playing with these guys, I think, you know, especially considering I don't know what this off season is going to look like, it seems like you go with the guy that's got a little bit more experience. To lose Travis Frederick and still feel good about your interior offensive line is really good because, like, I'm not telling you that Connor Williams. Connor McGovern, Joe Looney, or Tyler Beatish or, or Pro Bowlers, but you, you feel pretty good about who they're going to be able to plug in there. I think you know whoever wins the competition. I think you you sit there and go, okay, we can get we can get by with this. This is good. I know you're looking for more than getting by, but that's probably not how I meant to phrase it. But you know, to add those to add to add that body to get a healthy Connor McGovern, you're actually adding two people into the mix. Losing Travis will hurt. I think it's Connor Williams too, and that's what the poll said. Sixty-one percent of the respondents said uh, Connor Williams. Connor McGovern was the number two, and I think McGovern's got a chance. Now, the thing that's interesting to me about him is, if you remember, he's a guy they drafted. They drafted Tristan Hill over him, but they had Connor McGovern graded higher than Tristan Hill. But you know, Connor McGovern was a guy they never visited with, and you know, so you know they didn't get a good background check or get a, get a good you know. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they had their scouts all over it, but those little things of not getting meeting guys at the combine, they typically never draft those guys that they don't meet at high. And to pick him in the third 
round and not have a not be a 30 visit not be a guy that they even had much communication with in fact he even said no one from the cowboys had really talked to him i thought that was kind of interesting and maybe you get to know i mean like a torn pack is a severe injury in football so you know for him to miss last year makes sense uh but i just wonder what seems like you just don't hear much about him you know so uh, i'm interested to see uh you know that competition uh once training camp happens most overrated player on the roster. This is probably one of the more controversial questions. I would say more, one of the more, more dramatic questions on the survey, John. One that really gets the fans heated. The most overrated player on the roster. Before I tell you what the survey says, what was your pick for that? You know, I battled with Jalen Smith um, and Tyron Smith. And the reason being because... You know, Tyron Smith continues to go to the Pro Bowl every year, but he's just not healthy for the entire season. I mean, when he's healthy and he's playing, I mean, there's no question. He's still an elite left tackle, but he just continues now. We're going on four years where he's missed at least three, yeah, three games exactly in each of the last four seasons. And so that made me factor him in there. And then Jalen Smith, you know, again, makes the Pro Bowl. So, I mean, I feel like it's got to be somebody that's at least rated because, I mean, I got... Uh, everything I wrote down here, I got just over 1500 responses. And so I had to go through all these write in responses. And I mean, like, like Blake Jarwin got like 19 votes. I'm just kind of like, I don't what? know. I'm, I, he's not even rated. How is, how is, how is he over it? Now I will say when I really put this together, the one, my biggest flaw over this 35 question survey is I totally goofed and I should have had also another write in of who's the most underrated. And I swung and missed on that because that would have been an interesting answer, I think, too, on, on a write in. But I did it as a write in because I didn't want to give any preconceived like, you know, I, I felt strongly Jalen Smith would win I, just from being on, uh, you know, Twitter too much and just seeing how fans <laughs> felt about his play this past year where, you know, he had that, a, a great season two years ago to where you were like, man, what a steal. You know, I can't believe they got him in the second round. And, and we thought he was never going to play because of the knee injury. And then he comes back and this past year just there was just too many mistakes and it just he didn't seem like I don't know he just didn't seem like the same player he was a year ago like where he just wasn't making the same plays sideline to sideline and, and, and moving downhill like you I just didn't think that he exceeded what he was the year before but then he makes the Pro Bowl and so for some I'm sure that that was kind of like ah, you know maybe maybe he was better than I thought or whatever so but I still felt strongly that Jalen Smith was going to get the most votes now you're a genius because you said of the right end votes uh, over fifteen hundred writing responses, you got less than fifteen hundred. Uh, so you had fifteen hundred around that voted for a player on the actual roster. That means you had forty seven people that voted for someone who's not on the roster. Do you have any of those names you'd like to share with us, or for people? Oh yeah, a lot bits? of Jason. What happened a lot there? of. G- yeah, a lot of Jerry Jones, a lot of Jason Garrett. I'm just like, people, this is not the question I'm, <laughs> I'm asking you right now. Like, I don't know how many, how far I know we're not going to get to all 35 of these, but like, like, <laughs> and the right in ones, <laughs> one of my favorite things about this is, and, and it's not really my, it shouldn't be my favorite because it took me forever to add them all up. But like, so if they're in the way that the template was set up, if, if you, if you just spelled everybody's name correctly, they would all line up and I could, and it was in a graph. So I could just go to the number and be like, boom, 57 votes for this player. Ezekiel Elliott's name got spelled eight different ways. Like it was Zeke with E-K-E, Zeke E-E-K, like Ezekiel Elliott with one T, Ezekiel Elliott uh, with, uh, what was the other one that I saw? One L, uh, Ezekiel, not spelled right. Like Ezekiel Elliott was just all over the map. Um, but no, for the write-in responses for this one, no, it, it definitely, uh, it definitely, there was Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett, 
Um, but not, not any like players that are no longer on the team. There wasn't anything like that. It just was not players. No one turned in like an actor or anything like, hey, Jeff Goldblum. No, no. no. And that really disappoints me because it was getting tedious writing these all down and making a graph and adding them up that I would have really appreciated somebody doing that. Uh, What is your confidence level in Mike McCarthy on a scale of one to five? The survey winner was four. And I think that is a really good answer because let me tell you what my Mike McCarthy confidence level is. Short term, five. I feel great. Long term, two. (laughs) Three. <laughs> you know, like it's not, it's not up there. So like, Hey, to hedge your bets, there are four and that got 63% of the vote. So what's um, your shelf life with him? What do you, what do you think? What's the max maximizing potential window? Ah, uh, man, so much matters how they draft and things like that. Right. But, and he signed a five-year deal. I, yeah. I, how I long, think how five, long ago did you feel good with him in Green Bay? How many years there? I mean, he won you a Super Bowl pretty early. Super Bowl was the 2010 season, happened in 2011, 2010 season. You think about it, all that Rodgers Favre drama was happening in 06, 07, right around that time. So he won it in four years, got got Aaron to the spot. I mean, the roster they've built, though, to me, is good enough to go, you know, be a serious contender in the NFC. So you know, he I, said on the conference call the other day that th- that he thinks this might be his most experienced team. Is that right? I just felt like there was—I don't know—I just feel like there's always these veteran teams in Green Bay. Maybe I, I just have a misconception because they just always yeah. beat the Lions, and so I just think it's always this veteran bunch. But yeah, he said on the conference call last week that he thinks that this might be his most experienced team. You'll find that when he talks, and I don't know if it'll be the same here because Kellen's the OC, but. You know, my memories of him, when he talks, he'll sometimes say things speaking from an offensive point of view. Okay. Which is not, to me, not a bad thing. Um, you know, I was thinking of some of those teams in Green Bay. He had a very young Greg Jennings and a young Ryan Grant and, and Brandon Jackson, the running back. And Donald Driver was the old guy who was getting it up the field. Jordy Nelson was young, you know. So they, they were pretty inexperienced. I guess I just, uh, I keep thinking of that Super Bowl and, and just like how good like Charles Woodson still was as being obviously later in his career, but he was a huge contributor, you know? Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, What's your confidence level on one to five in McCarthy? Um, I would say, I would, (laughs) this is such a cop out. Uh, I was gonna say four and a half, but about, yeah, probably about four. Um, (laughs) Just because I wouldn't, I don't know, like uh, I got to judge this fairly. So if I was going to say five, there's probably only maybe, I don't know, six, five, six coaches in the NFL that I would give a five, like that. I just have this absolute confidence yeah. level. And, you know, like obviously Belichick and like Mike Tomlin and there's, and there's others, but like, I don't know, like I, I and I'm a guy that I thought Mike McCarthy, and, and I know we went a little bit back and forth in this, in the process of talking about who they were going to hire as head coach. I thought he was as good as they could potentially get. I didn't really see another name out there that really, I thought was that much better than him. And so, um, I, you know, it's another thing that factors in too, is it's like, it's always how the coach gets along with Jerry too, you know, like is, you know, is he going to get annoyed with stuff that, that Jerry does and says and, and, and things like that? Or is, you know, he going to work, is it going to work well together? And how does Jerry and what he does impact, you know, how McCarthy coaches and things like that. But I don't see why you would give it anything less than a four, to be honest with you. You know, that matters, but I think that's a slow burning relationship right now, considering they haven't been at the office very much. You know, they're just now, they haven't spent a ton of time. Uh, One thing that you said, though, 
we fight just a few, you know, get that kind of perfect grade. This is the most infuriating thing to me in sports is on the NBA slam dunk contest. When I, after the first dunk, Dr. J and Kenny <laughs> Smith and whatever celebrity celebrity, yeah. they all throw up tens. And I'm like, right. you've set the bar for this dunk. <laughs> there are no tens. There's never been a perfect grade. You have to do it that way. Otherwise we're, we're not chasing anything, you know? So I will say there was that. one slam dunk contest. I can't remember exact year it was, but every dunk that Vince Carter did, it, it was the very first dunk. He didn't need multiple tries. And he just, they were just some of the craziest stuff I'd ever seen. And I was like, I can't believe he's pulling this out. Like, how is he going to top this? And then he topped it. And then how is he going to top this? And then he tops it again. It was that one where obviously he won. He put his arm in the rim and, and held himself up there at the end. Uh, that's the only time, but every other slam dunk competition that I've watched, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> Which new assistant coach will make the biggest positive impact? Positive impact, keyword positive. <laughs> um, the winner, John Fossil, special teams coordinator. Now, I think, doesn't he kind of come in with house money? Just kind of based yeah. on how crappy the special teams has been over the years? Well, yeah, and then it also helps, too, that he has such experience with outstanding special teams play for the most part with him with the Rams and the fact of just like how Jerry just threw the entire coaching staff under the bus when they had all those special teams blunders up in New England. So uh, you just you really got the feel that, hey, they were going to go get an experienced guy. The impact has to be so significant because even if he gets them to middle of the pack, it's a significant impact from what they were last year. And the other thing that I've pointed out in here before is that it's not like they brought in a bunch of new players. Like they could have brought in other linebackers, other defensive backs that they thought, you know, hey, we need more guys that are going to help us in special teams. And they resigned a lot of the same guys that were their special teams guys last year. And so um, I thought found that interesting. So they clearly believe sure. it's on coaching. And so he's going to have uh, a, a significant impact there. Um, you know, Jim Tom Sewell is another guy who uh, a lot of the things you hear, like like in a conference call with, with Alden Smith on Friday, you know, the way that he was talking about Jim Tom Sewell and the way I've heard other players talk about Jim Tom Sewell, very, very similar to Rod Marinelli and being like a player's coach, like a motivator, gives you a lot of freedom to do your thing, doesn't make you just do, hey, just do this one thing, whatever, like, you know, whatever you want to say about Rod Marinelli, he he really allowed his that four-man front to kind of do their thing and get after the quarterback. And I know a lot of the players enjoyed that. It seems like John, Jim Tom Sewell is a lot like that as well. That seems like the players really enjoy playing for him. Absolutely. And, you know, another comparison is he got to be a head coach of a bad team and had a, you know, short 10 years of head coach, too, as well in San Francisco. Uh, you know, Broadus worked with uh, Tom Sula at NFL Europe. And I know our buddy, good buddy Brian Broadus has a lot of good things to say about Jim Tom Sula as well, uh, just on a personal level. So, uh, you know, the next one on that list right there was um, uh Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator, 34%, and then Jim Tom Sula at 9%. You know, a, a couple of votes for Joe, Joe Philbin, the new offensive line coach, with Mark Colombo leaving to go with Jason Garrett and the Giants. And Joe Philbin's a guy who's been an NFL head coach before, has a lot of good experience, was with McCarthy through thick and thin in Green Bay for a long time. You know, Joe Philbin is a really good coach, and I think he's a guy who's kind of got lost in the sauce with – some really good names like John Fossil and Mike Nolan and Jim Tom Sue. Uh, Joe Philbin's a guy I think we, we shouldn't forget right there. So I like that uh, he got some votes uh, on there as well. Um, next question. 
What do the Cowboys have to do this season for you to consider it a success? What is it for you, John? I was I was going to say I feel like it's just getting in the playoffs and at least getting to where they got last year. Or no, I'm sorry, not last year, but they've gotten in previous years, and that's the divisional round. I understand where people will say NFC Championship game. I guess I'm a little bit more realistic because that hasn't happened in 25 years, and so it's a new head coach, even though it's clearly not a rebuild. Um, I was like, hey, if they get to the divisional round again, I think I think people would be like, hey, it's an improvement from last year. Now let's build on that. We can't have a drop off after this. Now next year it has to be NFC Championship game. And as you're about to explain, the fans didn't see it the same way. Of the nearly 2,000 responses, 63% said get to the NFC Championship game. 22% said make the playoffs. So kind of on the other other end of the spectrum there. 8% get to the Super Bowl. 7% win the Super Bowl. So 15% of the respondents here may have their expectations too high. I mean, if you think Super Bowl, because I, I just think it's so hard to get there. You know, you just, the odds are never in your favor of uh, of getting there. So uh, to me, I, I, when I did, when I took this survey on my own, I said, get to the NFC championship game because, you know, we've been talking about taking a step forward. Well, We've done everything we can do. Not everything we can do, but we've done a lot to really help this roster out. And they did a really good job of plugging holes and helping out and had a good draft and he had a lot of good things. And I think the new vision in general and the new message, you got to take advantage of that when you get that. When you have a new message replacing, a, quite frankly, a tired message, you know, you got to pounce on that. So for me, it's the NFC Championship game, but maybe my expectations are too high. Maybe mine are too um, low. Maybe I should have it at Super Bowl. I'm going to zoom through this one right here. How should the Cowboys handle Dak Prescott's contract situation? 39% said get him signed, even if it means making him the NFL's highest paid player. Were you shocked to see that that was the number one? This one was a close one. That was 39%. Second place was 28% was sign him long term, but not if it means making him the NFL's highest paid player. Were you, were you uh, shocked that first place and that answer was – you know, fans saying, hey, get him now, even if it means making him the highest paid player. I really was. And I guess that's just because I spend too much time reading responses and comment sections and on Twitter and just the fans that I've come across that are really not sold completely. Uh, just shows that they're not necessarily the majority, that there are a lot of Cowboys fans that are like, hey, we remember what it was like between Troy and then when it got to Tony. OK, just calm down. We don't need to go back into that area where we might not have a quarterback. We got a guy. We know he can win games. Let's not mess this thing up. Let's get it done right now. And so uh, it was it was uh, it was a little surprising that there was that many people that that said that pay him, even if it means making him the highest paid player in the NFL. Will Dak be the Cowboys starting quarterback in 2025? Yes, gets the answer. 63% to 37% said yes. And I answered yes as well when I took the survey. Yeah, me too. I mean, just, I don't know. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's those Andy Dalton fans out there that think that bringing him on is this little glimpse into possibility that he's the starting quarterback in the future if this doesn't work out with Dak's contract. But I just don't see that happening. And, uh, it's not like it's not like it's just like Jerry loves Dak or something like that. I uh, Stephen Jones is very sold on Dak Prescott too. I, the contract I see getting done, and, and it keeps him here, and he uh, and he's the Cowboys' quarterback for a long time. Which player's departure will be the toughest to replace? Travis Frederick, Byron Jones, Robert Quinn, Randall Cobb, or Jason Witten? 
Yeah, I went with Frederick, and obviously they agreed. Um, you know, maybe if they don't get Trayvon Diggs, I, you know, I'm sure that would give Byron Jones more votes. Um, but I understood Robert Quinn, too, because really, what did you replace Robert Quinn with? You know, uh, Bradley and I, and, you know, if Randy Gregory comes back, and then Alden Smith. I mean, believe me, if Alden Smith is as good as he's talking about on this conference call about how He's moving as well as ever, but he's up to 285, and he ends up being a guy that gets you 8, 10 sacks. Believe me, people won't be talking about Robert Quinn, but if they have trouble getting to the quarterback, that Robert Quinn signing with the Bears is going to stand out. I feel like a jerk. I'm just so skeptical of a guy who hasn't played football in five years, you know? No, you Um, should be. Even on my show, Skin was like, I really believe. And and Skin's like the least guy ever to say things like this. Like He knows when guys are out of the league that it's so hard to come back. He's like, I'm really believing in this Alden Smith thing. And I'm like, I don't know if he's just saying that to say that or if he truly believes it. But I just, you know, history does not look fondly on guys. Well, not that there's a lot of case studies here, but guys who have missed a lot of time and come back. And then how much does it help them to have this offseason? You know, like not having a normal offseason. I don't don't see how that helps either. Sure. Travis Frederick did win the poll there of nearly 2,000 responses. 57% said Travis Frederick would be the toughest to replace. 25% 25% said Byron Jones, 14% said Robert Quinn. And obviously, you know, getting C.D. Lamb helps you replace Randall Cobb very easily. You know, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of fans who, uh, well, I say a lot. I don't know. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a loud minority who are kind of ready to move on from Jason Witten. But it's definitely a thing we see a lot. Um, keep grinding here through part one of your survey. We'll do part two of your survey on, on next week's podcast as well because I like some of the questions on there too. Who was the most valuable offseason addition, John? I, I mean, I think it's C.E. Lamb by far. And, and it actually had me thinking about not even putting that question on there just because I was like, well, everyone's just going to say C.D. Lamb. It's fresh in their mind. You know, they didn't think that. I mean, no one really went in this draft thinking they would realistically draft a wide receiver, let alone the one that a lot of people thought was the best receiver in the draft. But I'm glad I did throw it on there just because it is interesting now to see, you know, some other guys got votes as well. Yeah, like Andy Dalton got 10% of the votes. Well, 9% of the votes. Um, Trevon Diggs got 9% of the votes. Uh, Gerald McCoy got 13% of the votes, but 53% of the votes go to CeeDee Lamb. Uh, who should get the most targets this season? Cooper, Gallup, Lamb, or Jarwin? Um, as you can yeah, imagine. Yeah, another obvious one, but I still Amari Cooper, <laughs> 81%. I don't know. I, thought, I, I think there is a lot of CeeDee Lamb excitement, though, so I wouldn't be surprised if he – Put a bigger dent into that, but of uh, almost 2,000 responses there, 81% said Cooper should get the most targets. Um, and he had, you know, 119 targets last year, as you wrote in the article. Um, who will have the most interceptions for the Cowboys this year? Well, I mean, really, his- historically speaking, over the last few years, you just got to get one or two and you can lead the team in interceptions. Um, Jordan Lewis got first place in the poll with 29%. Sure does feel like the ball seems to find him. I'm just not convinced that he is a starting three cornerback on this team. I don't think they're just going to hand him this job. I think bringing back Anthony Brown, I think Cheeto, Anthony Brown, Trevon Diggs, I I think there's going to be a lot of competition at the cornerback position. It's crazy, man. Last eight years, nobody, not one defensive back has had more than three interceptions. They got to go all the way back to 2011 with Terrence Newman to have four. So, yeah. So, I mean, basically, if you get two or three, there's a, there's a good chance you'll be leading this team. And so, um, you know, Jordan Lewis has already shown an ability to kind of make plays on the ball. And now with a new coaching staff, maybe he gets more opportunities. Um, I honestly think I probably would have went with Trayvon Diggs. And I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he doesn't. But 
I was just thinking of somebody new uh, who I think will get opportunities. And it just seems like uh, his size and athletic ability and maybe with him also being a rookie and the younger guy out of the group out there, he might get tested a little bit more by opposing quarterbacks. So maybe he has more opportunities. Xavier Woods was second place at 24%, 17% for Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Uh, okay, two, three more left, and then we're and then we're done, and then we'll uh, you know we'll do the next part next week. Who will lead the team in sacks? Demarcus Lawrence gets the big eighty percent right there. But who um, was second? <laughs> Alden Smith. I think How do you that feel about big that, 15, that big fourteen and a half sack season that he had. Uh, no, I'm sorry. What was the year? Al- Alden Smith. He had what seventeen that year. Whatever. I forget. Was it 2013? You know, it was a long time ago, man. I was in my 20s then, so. Um, <laughs> he had 19 you know. and a half in 2012, and he had 14 in 2011. But yeah, no, that 2012 season, because I remember he came off that, and in 2013, that's when he was on that uh, NFL top 100 player list, and he was one of the top 10 players in the NFL because he was coming off a damn near 20 sack season. Um, and then lastly, uh, oh, do I have the last one? Yeah, last one right here. Uh, wait, did I mix? No, there it is. There we go. Ezekiel Elliott has averaged 20.8 carries per game during his Cowboys career. Where would you like to see that average in 2020? This is kind of a highly debated talk, you know, talked about thing in, uh, in, in football circles of people who really like to, you know, break down the game and critique play calling and things like that. The fans in this survey said they would like to see Zeke get 15 to 20 carries. 71% said that, 15 to 20 carries a game. The other 27% said 21 or more carries a game. I When I answered this one, I said 21 or more, but my reasoning on that is that you would have a lead and you would be putting a game away. So I, it's not what I truly believe. Like I truly believe he should be in that 15 to 20 range. I think it's a good way to preserve him as well, but I, and I also don't think you should be, you know, running more than you should be passing personally. But when I filled out the survey, I, I kind of got in my own head and said, yeah, but if they're giving him the ball more than 21 times, that means they're winning games. So I would like to see them win games. I think he'll do more than 21. That's what I thought. Yeah. I, I, I see where you're coming from on there. I think I, I was more on 15 to 20 because I certainly don't think 15. And I know the difference between 15 and 19 people might say is not a lot, but over an entire season it is. I thought, I think he's going to be around like 19.5. I think he's going to be just about a carry less. And I think that it factors in with me is just that, you know, I don't know that Mike McCarthy is going to be necessarily as committed to the running game, but I agree with you that if they have leads, you're going to have to use it because the offense is quite, is no question the strength. But I also see 20.8 as his average over these previous four years. And I think of that as being also under a head coach who desperately wanted to win that way. He wanted to win by investing in the offensive line and the running game. And so um, I feel like there was a little bit more of, of a commitment there than maybe there will be with Mike McCarthy. And so that's why I would be around 19.5 to 19, somewhere in there. Uh, so technically that's 15 to 20, but I mean... I think if Vegas was setting an over and under on it, I think it would be at 20. All right. Well, I, I really uh, appreciate you doing all the work. I know there's a lot of work to do all this, John, but I enjoyed taking the survey and then <laughs> looking at the responses in, in two parts. I really enjoyed it. So um, because we've gone you know, over an hour, let's, uh, let's come back and let's do part two next week. 
Um, yeah, that's more. That depending. one's more historical and stuff like that. And but there's some fun stuff in there about AT and T Stadium, things like that. Like I like it's pretty good. There's multiple right in answers there that are, that are pretty entertaining as well. I, I love these surveys. We did one, you know, just on the athletic. Uh, Tim Cato did one, and there's just so many good discussion points. Uh, so we'll do a part two of the survey next week, along with any other Cowboys news that happens. Of course, if anything wild happens in the world of Cowboys, maybe Dak signs a deal, something like that. We got you covered here on About Them Cowboys. And obviously, feel free to go through the archives if you missed any episodes uh, on theathletic.com. Just go uh, find it or anywhere you listen to podcasts about them Cowboys. We've done episodes weekly. Uh, even during this time, uh, during this pandemic, we've been doing cranking out episodes. And I really highly encourage you to go listen to the one on May 11th where we did our season schedule bet and really, uh, you know, put ourselves on the line out there, put ourselves out there. So um, for Kent Garrison, For Father John Mashoda, I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll see you next time on another episode of About Them Cowboys. Cowboys.